You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, PLD speaks after signing a one-year deal. And a potential dubious new record for Jets 2.0. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. So I didn't really anticipate starting off this episode on a non-PLD note, but I had this thought over the weekend, and it it just hasn't gone away, and I feel like just getting it off my chest and saying it out loud because it started to bug me more and more. It's it's just quite simply this, now that we're a few weeks into the offseason and training camp isn't all that far away now. Is this the worst offseason in Jets 2.0 history? That It might sound a tad overdramatic, but the more I think about it, I think that's the path that we're on right now. And it's really impressive considering... There haven't been any crippling free agent signings or trade fleeces or anything like that. But I think that when you take into account context, where the team is at right now, what the expectations were heading into this, I think I think we're in the offseason for the worst since this team came back to Winnipeg. And it's funny because, you know, just looking back as well, I, I think the closest competitor... Might have actually been the offseason that led to the Jets making the West Final. That You know, the, the Steve Mason and Dmitry Kulikov signing. So, hey, hey, if that's the case, maybe the Jets are poised to make a bit of a run here. Um, I don't necessarily see it playing out that way. But if you're going to compare those two offseasons, even then I think you could make the case that despite both of those being, you know, leaning towards poor free agent deals for the Jets, Kulikov was still... He was all right. Like, he was still decent for the club. Overpaid, but still played some good hockey beside Tyler Myers. And while the Mason contract was borderline disastrous, you wonder if Connor Hellebuck would have had the season that he had if Mason wasn't signed to come in as the presumed starter for the year. If there would have been the same motivation for Connor Hellebuck heading into the year. Right? So, like, I mean, even then, those two moves don't necessarily pan out as planned. For me, at the very least, though there was still a sense of logic to them, like a, a plan, an overarching 
direction from the organization, right? Like they they wanted to be aggressive, get back to the postseason, try to make some noise. So they went ahead and filled in some weak spots in the organization by making some splashy moves in free agency and getting aggressive, right? Like I get the reasoning. I respect taking the big swing. But this summer, what the hell is the plan? Like, I, I, we're weeks, months into this since the Cup ended, since the Stanley Cup final came to an end, and I still have no idea what this team is trying to do. Because as of right now, the Jets downgraded the backup goalie spot, lost Paul Stasny to free agency, doesn't seem like he's coming back anytime soon, Andrew Cops out the door, and it's the same core group here that basically tried to cause a minor mutiny last season. And I'm not even going to get into the the failed trots pursuit either. But you could throw that in there if you want to add and and, and pile on to the other miscues and non-moves that have taken place so far right now. What is the plan for next year? We still don't know. Because at this point in time, to me, the only major move that I could still see happening somewhat soon would be the trade of Blake Wheeler. And yes, that that does carry some significance, moving the captain out the door. But even then, there's still a lot of question marks around that particular move. Like, what's coming back the other way? Are the Jets a better team on paper after that's done? We don't know how much salary might need to be retained, a sweetener that would need to go the other way. Who knows how that situation plays out? But outside of a Wheeler trade, I don't know how you can say that you see anything else is going to happen here. Most of the free agents have signed. Most trade targets are now gone. Every team's done their business for the most part now. And the Jets really are not going to be able to make significant moves when over the half the league barely has enough cap space to sign a third-line winger. I mean, seriously, after the most disappointing season in 2.0 history, the club has followed that up so far with the worst offseason. When you take into account that essentially, especially as of right now, but even then, essentially the same group is going to be thrown back out there with the hope, I guess, that Rick Bonus alone transforms this team into a playoff contender? I just, I don't get it. I, I, I'm i at a loss for words at, at how this has played out so far. I, I, I thought, I really thought we were going to see this club go in a more aggressive direction, one way or the other. And I've given Chevy the benefit of the doubt before when it comes to making moves because, you know, I've, I've always been a bit of a defender knowing that this market is the most difficult one to be a GM in in the NHL. I think overall Chevy's done more good than bad, but this has just been awful. It's been a nightmare. I'm sorry. There's no other way to put it. I don't get how any... Any fan of Jets Nation right now can be majorly jacked up about this upcoming season. You know, I, I just, I, I'm not here to tell people how to be a fan of the team and and things like that. But if, if you want to see this team contend for a playoff spot, there's no, to me, there's no reasonable path for them to, to make that happen outside of Connor Hellebuck going Supernova Vesna once again, which I guess could happen, but to bank on that as, Something that's likely, as even with as good as Connor Hellebuck is, that, that to me is just, it's fool's gold. And that's the other frustrating part about all this, is that there have been more than enough opportunities for this team to improve up front. 
during the offseason to improve on the back end. Maybe even the backup goalie spot as well. And instead, we got crickets. We got nothing. And that's one direction if you wanted to lean into the win now. But there's been a chance to blow it up as well. Make a play for the future. With some malcontents. With some players who have uncertain futures with this team. And we haven't seen anything from that side either. Basically, any course of action was on the table for Winnipeg here. And it would have been justifiable. You could make a case for blowing it up. You could make a case for trying to win now. Instead of action, we got inaction. And a belief that this group of players can find a way to take it to the next level. A, a team that's been outshot and outscored dramatically for four years running now. And, and that, that, to me, again, just makes no sense. And at this point, where does that put Winnipeg in the West? Right? And this is a conference... That is nowhere near as strong as it used to be. And, and we'll get into, you know, when we do the season preview and stuff like that, where I think at least the Winnipeg Jets are going to start the year in terms of pole position and things like that. But, I mean, as of right now, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis are miles ahead. What do they finish? Like 20-plus points ahead of the Jets last regular season? Nashville adds on Nino Niederreiter for pennies on the dollar this past week. They've had themselves a pretty nice offseason. They have a very strong case to be put ahead of the Winnipeg Jets right now. In the Pacific, for me, Edmonton, Calgary, and even Vegas are easy ones to put ahead of Winnipeg as well. And, and possibly, probably LA too at this point. And that, what's that, ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth, something like that? I, I just don't get it, guys. I, I really don't. I, I, I would love to do an episode at some point in the near future. And eat a ton of crow, have a major Mia culpa, whatever it is. Talk about all these major moves that were made to change the trajectory of the franchise. But I just do not see that happening at all. I, I, I don't. It's unfortunate. All right? Especially because the narrative heading into this offseason was there's a lot of change coming. It's going to be one of the most transformative offseasons in club history. And this is to a team that had gotten stale, apparently, and let other clubs pass them by in the Western Conference. And instead, we've seen no major moves and a downgrade in personnel. I guess the, the positive, it's not a total disaster class like we've seen in other NHL markets this summer. <laughs> Philadelphia. But, man, there was, in my opinion, the opportunity to do something special here. Uh, the, the Jets really could have made a statement whether it was in the now or in the future that, you know what, we're doing things a little bit differently here and this is going to be a new Jets franchise moving forward. And instead there was a belief that this group can get it done. And the hubris that's involved with that is just off the charts for me. Because guess what? The defending Stanley Cup champs are not running it back. The team that they beat in the Stanley Cup Finals are not running it back. The number one team of the regular season are not running it back. The other division winner from last season is not running it back. And so on, and so on, and so on. There's one team right now in the NHL, as far as I can see it, that has been content with throwing it back with the same group of players. And it's a club that massively disappointed the year prior and finished well well outside the playoff race. Yeah, the, the, this, this group of Jets did not earn 
the right to run it back here. And that, to me, is more disappointing and more upsetting than signing the guy for a year too long or a million dollars too much. Or you, you try a trade and it doesn't work out, right? Like, at, at least at least something was attempted. But when you do nothing whatsoever, that kind of an action pisses me off. I, it's just beyond disappointing. And I think it's inexcusable. And it's a commitment to mediocrity more so than it is a commitment to excellence. So it's not the nightmare offseason of throwing away draft picks and signing guys left and right. But but to me, it's almost just as bad because nothing was done when everything's pointing you in a direction to make some major moves, make some major changes, make some major action. For me, that's bad enough as we stand right now to earn this, the moniker of worst Jets 2.0 offseason that we've seen since the club came back just over 10 years ago from now. Now, we'll get to the comments from Pierre-Luc Dubois in just a sec after the center signed his one-year offer with the team. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where the action never ends, especially in the summer, with a monster deal up for grabs for you. Remember, you can throw it on action on any of the major sports, baseball, golf, MMA, a whole bunch more. Eventually, hockey, football, basketball in a couple months' time. And if you want to win a little bit of money as well, well, the Blue Jays are in Seattle. They're home away from home in uh, the major leagues. And nothing wrong with uh, tossing a little moolah on the Blue Jays to pick up some wins this weekend, Friday, Saturday, late night. I'm kind of liking the idea of that one. And... You can take advantage with this big, big offer from DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. All right, so we finally hear from Pierre-Luc Dubois himself. It wasn't Pat Brisson speaking. It wasn't rumors. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. It was the man himself stepping up to the mic on a Monday afternoon as Dubois met with the media after signing his one-year $6 million deal with the team and finally a chance to help set the record straight. A little bit. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the comments from Dubois, we'll, we'll get to those in just a sec, or at least my reaction to the comments in just a sec here. But here's the start of the press conference. Ken Weeb asking the first couple of questions to Pierre-Luc Dubois in case you missed it. Always like to hear the comments in full as opposed to reacting to specific sound bites here and there. So let's give a listen to what Dubois had to say essentially on his short-term and long-term future here with the Winnipeg Jets. Why did a one-year contract make sense for you at this time? Yeah, well, um, you know, after the season ended, uh, me and um, me and my agents started talking and, you know, different situations, different scenarios, and we felt that uh, at this time, the one-year deal, um, I think, was, was the way we wanted to go. And, um, you know, you hear so many things of uh, things that I apparently said or I apparently did, and a lot of it is, uh, you know, frustrating to read some things that I didn't even know I did or 
you know, that I, I didn't do, didn't say, but um, at this time, the one-year deal, um, the qualifying offer was the way we wanted to go. Um, you know, there's never a doubt of holding out or forcing anything. Um, you know, you read stuff that, you know, he wants out of Winnipeg. If I wanted out of Winnipeg, I would have asked for a trade. I didn't ask for a trade. Um, I, there was no doubt in my mind I was going to show up to camp. Uh, you know, once we figured out the one-year deal was the way to go, we were just waiting for the qualifying offer and then waiting for that. And, um, you know, then we signed that. And now I'm, I'm going to camp and excited to meet everybody, the new coaching staff, the new players, um, you know, talk to the coach, um, you know, Saturday or Sunday. And I'm just uh, really excited to get it going this year. Are you open then to a longer-term relationship with the Jets after this contract is up? Yeah, after this contract's up, uh, then we'll deal with it. You know, the one-year deal, now my job is to play hockey again. You know, when you don't have a contract, you're a free agent. But now that I have a contract, I'm a Winnipeg Jet. And I'm really looking forward to, to playing this year because last year was a, was a disappointing year for the team. And um, we have a lot of the same guys this year. And I'm, my whole focus right now is, as we speak right now, I worked out this morning, was to, to get ready this morning. And, you know, tomorrow I'm going back in the gym. And, you know, the rest of the summer will just to be to, to concentrate on getting ready for training camp. And, to prepare for this year. So, according to Dubois, no trade request was ever made out of Winnipeg, but not necessarily a reading endorsement of the fact that the young centerman's going to be signing a long-term deal here in the city anytime soon either. I, I mean, I, for me, it's probably more positive than negative what we heard out of Dubois over his, you know, 30-plus minutes in, in speaking with the media yesterday. But I don't think we learned a whole lot either. Um, I, I guess what, what stood out maybe the most to me, and he seemed pretty genuine in saying this, is is kind of what I've touched on throughout all these rumors that I've been swirling that, you know, he wants out of the Winnipeg Jets might be looking to accommodate that at some point this offseason. And that's this. I, I really do believe that Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't 100% know exactly what he wants to do in a year's time from now or even in two years' time from now. Like, I, I, I don't think the door has still necessarily closed shut on his chapter here in Winnipeg. It, it might be a small percentage chance, but I, I do think, I really do believe there is a chance and a way this all plays out that you could see Dubois sign long-term here with the Winnipeg Jets. I imagine he's going to get traded by the deadline, but I still think there is a chance to that. But I do like what he said in that, you know, he'd be open to maybe talking about it after the season ended if things played out that way. But you know what? He doesn't know what he's going to have for dinner tonight, let alone what he's going to have for supper two weeks from now, let alone where he's going to sign quite possibly the last contract he ever signs as a pro athlete and where he's going to raise a family potentially, spend really the rest of his career in one location for. Like, I, I get, I, I I respect his candor there, and I, I think that's a totally reasonable line of thinking for, for anybody, let alone a, a 23-year-old professional athlete. So, you know, hearing his comments, signing the one-year deal, to me what all that points to is nothing's really changed whatsoever in this whole situation, right? 
to me, all signs pointed from the beginning that he was going to sign a short-term deal, even if he was happy here in Winnipeg, right? Like, even if he was contemplating signing the long-term deal, to me, it made the most sense for him to go either one or two years, build some more, build a bigger track record, build some more production playing likely beside Kyle Connor for another 82-plus games, and then see where things go after that. And I think that's still the path that Dubois and the Jets are on right now. And I guess the fortunate thing, too, is (laughs) really how the Jets can benefit from the biggest story in the NHL over the last few days. And that was the insanity of the blockbuster trade between the Calgary Flames and Florida Panthers. And, And that's this. There is tremendous value still to be had on a guy that only has one year left of team control whether that be an RFA or an upcoming UFA, right? Like both Florida and Calgary were able to get tremendous assets for guys that could potentially have been out the door sometime soon. And in the case of Calgary, I think the Flames made it abundantly clear that if you have a valuable asset, even if that player has made it clear they're not going to be re-signing and you're almost forced to trade them, You can still get a pretty package coming back your way if you find the right suitor and if you can get a few interested teams involved to up the bidding and up the ante there. I I wouldn't be too concerned if I was the Winnipeg Jets right now. I wouldn't be concerned at all if I was a fan of the Winnipeg Jets in this situation. I, I, I think the Jets are still in a pretty good spot here. A decision will have to be made at the absolute latest at some point Next year, during the offseason, if Dubois is making it clear he's unwilling to sign long-term here. But as as of right now, I I think the club and Dubois are in a good spot right now. I I think PLD made it pretty clear he's going to be given, he's going to be busting his ass every single shift for the team next year. I, I don't think motivation is a question whatsoever. And from that point on, the Jets can make a decision of either we sign this guy for six, seven years and he's... The future down the middle for us, or he's out the door, and it's time to pull a Calgary and figure out the best way to add some major assets, whether it's win now or win later, find a way to win that trade, create a market, and the Jets still might find themselves in a pretty good spot, even if worst case scenario ultimately plays out a year from now. Now, quickly, we'll just touch on the the Kachuk Huberto and Uyghur trade quickly because that first and foremost just aside from the return and everything that went into it the NHL needs way more of these trades to happen on a more regular basis because it's just fun as hell like as a as a fan of hockey it's so damn awesome to see something like that happen basically in the middle of the night and, and and shake the entire foundation of the upcoming season. It's just great. It's great entertainment value, whether you win or lose or whatever. would love to just see more things like that happen, more teams, more GMs be aggressive and, and not being afraid to take a big splash here or there, hint, hint. But my initial reaction to the actual pieces being moved in the trade when I saw it, the the information of the details come out was, holy shit, did Calgary ever pull a fleecing on the Florida Panthers? That, that was my first initial reaction to the move. Because in all honesty, and, and with what I assumed was a complete lack of leverage, you know, I, I thought Huberto in a first oh, it would have been a good return for, for Matthew Kachuk. 
I thought that alone, hey, you know what? You're, you're able to get a really damn good player back for a guy everybody knew was going to be leaving sometime soon. I thought that would have been an okay haul coming back for Calgary. But to throw a prospect and then to throw freaking Mackenzie Weger into the mix as well, I, I was just blown away by how much value Calgary was able to get in that deal. And I, I thought Florida was ridiculous for doing it. But but after sleeping on it for a few nights, I don't necessarily hate the move as much from Florida's side of things. I actually think the Panthers came out of it pretty well. Like, I, I think they're, they're definitely a worse team for this upcoming season with this move. But to get some cost certainty locked in on two players that I, I think Bill Zito probably knows better than most, we're likely to head out the door after next season. That's it's it's a big price to pay, but I can at least understand knowing that you know what we've got a major major player locked in for us for a long time, and we're not losing two guys for the price of nothing. So I I, I actually kind of like the way Florida went about this. I wouldn't give them an A plus or anything like that, but I think. I think after the dust settles, the Panthers come out looking okay in all of this. Having said that, though, I still love, 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 love the way Calgary came out in this one. I think it's an absolute A-plus home run for Brad Living and a complete 180 from what was looking like a total disaster offseason for the Calgary Flames prior to that. It's nice to see them get a win finally, right? But whether they want to take a run at the Cup again this year... I think they're in a good position. At least they're in a position to do that with Huberto and Uyghur in the fold now. That defense is formidable at the very least with the addition of Mackenzie Uyghur, who I still think gets insanely underrated by just about everybody in NHL circles. The dude is a stud number one defenseman. So they can win and they can go for it right now if they want to. But if things don't work out... They could still get a pretty impressive penny for one of or both of those two players at the upcoming trade deadline here and replenish a ton of assets. And they might end up getting more assets at the deadline for a couple of rentals in Huberto and Uyghur than they would have if they traded Matthew Kachuk to a team other than the Florida Panthers. That, that's kind of the cool thing in all this is Calgary at the very least took a difficult situation and they set themselves up to have success one way or the other, depending on how this upcoming season plays out. A fascinating, fascinating trade. I, it's going to be one of those ones that you have to, you really have to wait four years down the line to see who ultimately came out on top. But I'll give Treliving a ton of credit being backed into a corner and finding a way to pull a rabbit out of his ass because eh, there's a lot of GMs in the NHL that wouldn't have been able to get fair value back for an asset as valuable as Matthew Kachuk, and I think that's a hell of a job done there. And the Flames all of a sudden went from, oh boy, are they in the potentially Carter Bedard chase to, oh, they might be making it back-to-back -back division titles this upcoming season. So, pretty awesome way to close out the month of July. Hopefully we start to see some fireworks like that here in Winnipeg sometime soon. But that's going to do it for the episode here today. Thank you guys so much for stopping by and listening once again. A reminder, you can let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Any of your thoughts on the episode, 
Is this the worst offseason in Jets 2.0 history? Am I totally out to lunch or am I bang on? And your thoughts on Dubois' comments as well. Would love to know those so we can definitely get into that when we get back to it in our next episode. But until then, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Have fun and stay safe. And thank you for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll be back soon breaking down the latest news or inactivity from the Winnipeg Jets offseason. But we'll be continuing that as we get closer to the start of the NHL's regular season. Until then, though, have a great week, everybody. We'll talk soon. Peace.